Let's pray first. Heavenly Father, as we consider your word this evening, be with us, be at work within us. May your truth shine through and help us to grow in knowledge of you and in our faith in Jesus. Amen. If you knew there was certain death in front of you on the path that you were following, would you keep going? Around this time of year we uh, see bushfires on the news um, and if you're out on the roads this summer and you're uh, driving along the road and then you find that there is fire cutting across the road, there's fire on both sides of the road, smoke pouring across, would you keep driving or would you turn around and go the other way? Maybe if the fire was a bit further off in the distance, there's a big column of smoke and you couldn't quite see whether it was on the road that you were on or not, would you keep going or would you turn the other way? Maybe you can't see the fire at all. It's behind a a hill, you you can't see the smoke yet. You'd probably end up going, still keep going on. And the problem will be is that you keep going until the danger becomes apparent. And this is much the trouble we have with our lives. Death and the judgement that follows seems so far away. If there are flames at the end of the road that we're travelling... Are they there? Do we know? In tonight's reading, Jesus spoke of two paths. Do you know which one you are on? Are you on the path that leads to life, survival of the raging storm, to the kingdom of heaven? Or are you on the path that leads to being cut down, thrown into the fire, being cast out with evildoers or to destruction? Jesus is warning us of the danger of being on the wrong path. He warns us about those who would turn us off the right path and he tells us what it means to be on the right path. And then he warns us not to ignore him. Please keep your Bibles open at chapter 7 as we work through the passage. How many ways are there to live your life? Looking at verse 13, Jesus says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. How many ways are there to live your life? Jesus' first warning is that there are only two ways to go, just two ways to live. The wide gate and the wide road that leads to destruction and the narrow road the narrow path, the narrow gate that leads to life. And the bad news is that most people are going the wrong way. Only a few find the right path. In today's world, we can see there are a multitude of different religions, beliefs. There is Christianity, Islam, Buddhism, Taoism, Judaism. There are atheists, humanists and more ists and isms than we can can imagine. There are some who believe in life after death, some in reincarnation. Some say there is no life after death. But there can only be one truth. Life after death exists or it doesn't. The truth is there's the right way and then there's the wrong way. There's what people want to believe and then there's what there really is. And Jesus is saying that his way is the only way and the rest are the same path that 
they all lead to destruction and not to life. The gate and the road that lead to destruction are wide. They're very accommodating. You can travel that road any way you want. You can believe in reincarnation if you like. You can be an atheist if you like. You can believe only in yourself and your own goodness and your path is the same as all the others. It leads to destruction. The gate and the road that lead to life are narrow. There are not options on options. You can't believe anything. Live your life any way you like. There is Christ's way or there is destruction. Perhaps the life of a Christian sounds constrained to you. Sounds, does it sound like a loss of freedom? The path that Christ asks you to take is to take you away from danger. If you were in a building that was on fire and the firemen arrive and stick a ladder right up to where you are, would you look down at the ladder and go, nice ladder guys, but blue's more my colour. Can you get me another ladder? Of course you wouldn't. Uh, when everything around you was on fire, you take the, the path to life. You climb down the ladder to escape. It might be constraining, it might be the only way, but it's the only path that leads to life. It's your lifeline. Christ is telling you, see that big wide gate that you're going through, stop. Go through this gate instead. This gate leads to life. So, say, excellent, wonderful. What I need is for someone to tell me which is the right way. Piece of cake, right? Jesus says, before you rush off thinking, looking for that narrow path, I have a second warning. Look out for people that will send you the wrong way. Let's read verse 15. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. What are false prophets? Prophecy is when someone speaks on behalf of another. God's prophets spoke words from God to his people about their current condition, about their history and about their future. These words they spoke came from God. God told them what to say. A false prophet then is someone who says they speak on behalf of God, but they do not. Now there'd be very few people today who would call themselves prophets and and there'd be none that would call themselves a false prophet. But there are those who, driven by the wrong motivations, end up doing this very thing. For example, a preacher that would get up and explain the gospel to you in a way that God did not intend becomes a false prophet. He effectively tries to put different words into God's mouth. The same thing could be said for anybody, a preacher, a teacher, a growth group leader... Jesus says they come in sheep's clothing. It means their message sounds good. It sounds similar. It sounds biblical. Would you be drawn in by a Jehovah's Witness? They claim that Jesus is not the Son of God. Would you fall for the teachers that say that the Bible says God will give you good gifts, God will give things to you if you have faith? Therefore, they say you can have it all now. Riches, a great life, the life you always wanted, never mind treasure in heaven, you can have it today. Isn't that attractive? What about those who say, God is a loving God, therefore there is no hell. 
Because God will save everyone. We're all part of his creation. We're all part of his family. Wouldn't you like that to be true? Watch out for false prophets because they will lead you astray. They are ferocious wolves among sheep and unless you steer clear of them, you may find yourself torn to pieces, eaten up and destroyed. So how do we tell who is a false prophet? Reading from verse 16. By their fruit you will recognise them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear good fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. What does this mean by producing good or bad fruit? We might say today that they show their true colours. False prophets stand out because they are not citizens of the kingdom of God. Back in chapter 5, Jesus spoke about the characteristics of those who were of the kingdom of God. He said... They're poor in spirit. They mourn. It's those who are meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, those who are merciful, those who are pure in heart, those who are peacemakers, those who are persecuted because of righteousness. These are the characteristic traits of those who are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Those who aren't of the kingdom of heaven are strong-spirited. They don't mourn over their sins. They're proud. They believe they are already perfect. They are impure in heart. They are divisive and antagonistic. You can tell from the fruit because it reflects what's inside, inside their hearts. Now, fruit isn't always visible. It comes in season and is not always there to see. I can't tell the difference between an orange tree and a lemon tree if it doesn't have fruit on it. But what is present in the heart will eventually be uncovered and be apparent. Their true colours will eventually show. Charles Russell, the founder of Jehovah Witnesses, showed his true colours. He took John Ross to court for defamation of character when John Ross said that he was not qualified to be a pastor. Under oath, Charles Russell was telling the court that he was educated and he knew Greek. But under cross-examination, he was given a copy of the New Testament in Greek And he failed even to be able to read off the letters of the Greek alphabet. And only then did he admit that he did not know Greek. He was in court again when it came to his separation and his divorce. The court found he was so insulting and domineering to his wife that it would render the life of any sensitive Christian woman a burden and make her condition intolerable. He was separated and then eventually divorced. You can tell them by their fruit. I probably don't need to speak today about the state of uh, some Christian preachers today. There have clearly been some whose bad fruit has been on national display. Sexual abuse and misconduct are far too common. Even the way in which the Roman Catholic Church has handled these issues looks less biblical and more like self-denial. You can tell them by their fruit. So what is to become of these false prophets? these people that would lead you astray. Verse 19, Jesus says, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So these people, these false prophets, will meet their just end. The very destruction that they were leading others to, they will also receive. 
So Jesus warns you, steer clear of false prophets. You can tell them apart because their true colours will eventually shine through and their destiny is destruction. Don't go down with them. So Jesus has said, you need to be on the narrow path to life. He said, you need to watch out for those who will misdirect you. But what then is the right path? Verse 21, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Only he who does the will of my Father. What is the will of the Father? The Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 28 and 29 says, Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. The one he has sent is Jesus himself. And belief in Jesus, as far as salvation and warrant for entering into the kingdom of heaven is required, that is all. That's all you need. Believe in the Son and you will be saved. But in Matthew chapter 7, that's not all that Jesus is saying. In the context of the Sermon of the Mount, Jesus is also characterising everyone who believes in the Son as doing the will of my Father. And given the whole sermon has been focused on what it is to live in God's kingdom, Jesus' hearers at this time would have certainly heard correctly that Jesus expects that those who belong to the kingdom will do what Jesus said they should do. If you are on the right path, you will believe in Jesus and then you will also be showing the signs that you have believed in him. Unlike false prophets, you will be showing those signs of the kingdom. Those who are poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who are meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, those who are merciful, those who are pure in heart, those who are peacemakers, those who are persecuted because of righteousness. These are the characteristic traits of those who are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. These traits that are in your heart will display themselves in your behaviours and in your actions. But some have deluded themselves, thinking they are on the right path when they are not. Look at verse 22. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Jesus deliberately puts forward these examples, casting out demons, prophesying, performing miracles. These deeds seem to prove that these people themselves are part of God's camp. These people have impressive credentials. They seem to act like the prophets of old. They seem to act like apostles. They seem to act like Jesus. This passage today, though, might, might say... Lord, Lord, did we not sing songs to you? Attend church every week? Did you not see how big our church was? These are the very traits that someone today might say proves that you are a Christian. But what does Jesus say matters most? Read verse 23. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. 
In fact, it is irrelevant whether you have been very religious in your actions or whether you've done lots of good works. What matters is this. Jesus must know you. You can see here it is the relationship that is the deciding factor. In God's eye, apart from Jesus, we are all evildoers. It is the relationship with Jesus that matters. He says to them, I never knew you, and then casts them out. These people who are seen only doing good have attempted to justify themselves by their good works. They have failed to recognise that only Jesus can save them. And this doesn't come from themselves, it is a gift from God. A right relationship with Jesus means that the penalty for our sins has been paid. A right relationship with Jesus means that he grants to us his righteousness. We no longer look like evildoers, but only because of him. So those who are on the right path are those who have a good relationship with Jesus Christ. They believe in him, they trust in him for their salvation and their lives reflect the teaching of Jesus. They do the will of God. So what will you do now? Jesus gives us a final warning, a warning against ignoring him. Reading from verse 24, Jesus concludes, Therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Jesus begins these final words with a resounding therefore. He says, Now you have heard that there are two ways to live, a wide path to destruction and a narrow path to life. Now that you've been warned about false prophets, Now that you know you just can't call me Lord, Lord and get into heaven, that the path to life requires you to have a proper relationship with me and that you need to do the will of God. Now that you know all of this, you would be a fool not to put everything I have said into practice. Jesus' final warning is that you cannot ignore him. If you ignore him, it is to your destruction. It is no mistake that the man who ignores Jesus' warnings is seen as foolish. If you're out on the roads this summer and you hear on the radio that there are bushfires in your area and you see a policeman is blocking the road ahead, you would pull over and hear what he has to say. And if he tells you that the way ahead is blocked by fire, you wouldn't keep going, you'd turn around and find another way. There is no way that you would keep driving that way. Whether you see the fire now or not, you would turn back. Now Jesus is more than a policeman. He isn't just some great teacher or mystic who seemed to know more than others. He is Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God. He is the ruler of the world and the judge. He is the same one that would condemn you 
or save your life. If anyone holds the key to life, it's Jesus. And Jesus is warning us of the danger. He's warning about those who would turn us to the wrong path. He's telling us what it means to be on the right path. How foolish would it be to keep going the wrong way? Jesus spoke of two paths. Do you know which one you were on? Are you on the path that leads to life, to survival of the raging storm, to the kingdom of heaven? Or are you on the path that leads to being cut down, thrown into the fire, to being cast out with the evildoers, to destruction? You would be wise to change course if you were on the wrong path tonight. Maybe you think you've been too long on the wrong path or that your life is so bound to it that change is impossible. Jesus came to call those in trouble. He came to help the helpless. His appeal is to you. He not only offers to point the way but to aid you upon the path. And the very beginning of that path is forgiveness. Watch out for false teachers. Watch out for those who will bend the truth and put different words into God's mouth. They will lead you astray. Perhaps tonight you believe you're already on the right path. Tonight would be a good time to examine your own life. Those who are on the right path are those who have a good relationship with Jesus Christ. They believe in him. They trust in him for their salvation. And their lives reflect the teaching of Jesus. They do the will of God. Do not ignore Jesus. Listen to his warnings tonight and apply his teaching to your life.